Welcome to this week's Eccentric Minute, brought to you by Eccentric. This week's Eccentric Minute is one of my favorite exercises to do with the K-Poly, and that is the pull-through. Guys, once you've figured out about how far you need to walk out with the K-Poly, grab whatever attachment you're using for the pulley, walk yourself out there, and really push your hips back at the K-Poly. From there, when you hit that stretch, really punch your hips forward, keep your chest up, and try to extend your knees and your hips all the way through. And this is where one of the major benefits of using a flywheel kicks in, as it pulls you into a deeper stretch as you push your hips back in, into your hamstrings and your hip extensors, so that you really open it up and stretch everything out in the back. This is an exercise that I'm sure your athletes are going to love to hate, but reap awesome rewards from. I really hope you enjoyed this week's Eccentric Minute. Make sure you check them out at eccentric.com to find out everything you need about the K-Box and the K-Pulley. Being a strength and conditioning professional requires constant pursuit of better knowledge, better methods, and better means. But what if there was a place where strength and conditioning coaches could learn from some of the most innovative practitioners in the world, such as Jeff Moyer, Lachlan Wilmot, William Wayland, James the Thinker Smith, and Kirwenham Flat. Well, you could find multiple lectures from each of these top-level coaches and a few lectures and examples from yours truly as well, all in the Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is going to bring you well over a hundred different lectures from some of the top practitioners in the world to be your one-stop shop for your continuing education and professional development. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. That's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash cbasps to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we have an absolutely awesome talk. We are going to be discussing the training of pro golfers with William Wayland. After a real quick rundown of how we got into golf and the European Tour, William's going to start to share with us what his role is with the Tour and some of the, the pros and cons and, and limitations that he has with it. Next, he's going to dive right into how they select the what's, why's, and how's and of the programming for these people on the Tour and really how this traffic light system they have has been super effective to help them continue to develop the players. He then shares with us you know, what he's seeing and, and what has had the largest impact on improving measurables like club speed and ball velocity, um, and including where there actually may be some limitations and how they are determining how strong is actually strong enough. And then he finishes off sharing with us some of the cultural shift that he's seeing uh, occurring in golf when it comes to training and how the role of education, not just with the players, but the coaches, has really been instrumental in that. This is really an awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. William, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. It's uh, it's really good to be here, Jay. Thanks for uh, for having me on. Yeah, man. Listen, I'm stoked for this because we don't do a lot of talk when it comes to specific sports, and this is going to be a, an interesting little little niche that you work in in the sporting world. But you know, for the one and a half person listening to this who doesn't know who you are, <laughs> let's let's let them know where you're at and how you got there, brother. Yeah, so uh, obviously uh, William Wayland and, and I work in a small commercial, uh, sorry, a small private gym uh, in Chelmsford, Essex. Um, we run a lot of S&C out of there, but my, 
my uh, main consultancy work that I do right now is with the European Tour Performance Institute, and um, that has me traveling all over Europe, sometimes the Middle East, working with uh, Challenge Tour, European Tour, and, and Seniors Tour or athletes. So um, most of my work at the, right now surrounds working with professional golfers, although I'm known for some work uh, in Superbike. And also uh, prior to that, I used to do a lot, a lot of work in combat sports, um, particularly MMA. But right now, I'm very much in a, in a golf bubble and, and quite enjoying uh, working with professional golfers. Yes, because there's nothing that screams immediate transfer, transfer more than going from MMA to golf. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a lot of people, they, 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 they uh, don't see the parallels between the two. But um, basically, I've said it this way, and I've said it when, I, when people ask me to go speak. It's always, um, if you've got athletes who run, I'm no good to you. But if you've got someone who wants to either hit someone in the head or hit something small, with a stick, I'm probably uh, you know the you know pretty useful in that situation. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's something of a specialism. Getting people to produce a lot of force and power from kind of a static start, particularly if they want to strike something. And, I love um, that. Yeah, you know <laughs> that, that's that's kind of where I am. But like uh, um, I did a did a uh, a talk the other week with um, Sam Portland, and he was there to talk about um, sprinting and speed, and I was like. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't help you there. I'm no good with that stuff, but yeah, yeah, the the uh, the striking stuff I can definitely help with. I love that. Put it, you hit somebody in the face or hit a small object with a, with a stick. I love it. But man, you know, you you have and you've developed a a really, really great reputation when it comes to the sport of golf, in the along with the European Tour. So I, I really want to talk about that. I want to talk about where where this direction came from and, and let's go down that rabbit hole and let's start talking about developing these men and women that are on the tour. Sure. Um, my, my path was, uh, uh, you know, like a lot of guys, it's, it's a case of building a, a small qualitative network because I was working so much in MMA. Um, I was MMA athletes are pretty, pretty broken guys and, and they're going to see a lot of physiotherapists. The other type of athlete that sees physiotherapists an awful lot are golfers. So basically, via, via you know, quality networking and building relationships over a period of time, um, you know, eventually I was asked uh, to if I wanted to get involved with, with European tour golf. I was working with a few professionals prior to that, but uh, a physio who happens to be, uh, you know, the, the, the head, the head or, or one part of the S&C that we have on tour, Dan Coughlin, uh, basically asked me to, to come out and, and, and uh, you know, apply uh, what I was doing, you know, in our, in our small private gym and, and apply it on the tour. Sensational. So now let's talk about it. Let's talk about how you look at these athletes to really get them started with first. And then let's talk about since you're in your off season right now, you know, what are, what are these qualities and characteristics that we're looking to build to prep them so they're ready for what really is a long season? Yeah, so um, unfortunately, we don't we don't live in an ideal world. So most of the time, uh, when I meet the golfers, it's usually a very top, uh, sorry, a bottom up approach. So they basically they'll come in, we'll maybe do a consult, we'll maybe do because uh, I should specify this that the service is free to the golfers. Um, so they they'll come in, they'll book a slot in with you uh, on the days you're out on tour, and they'll come and see you either on the truck or or in the, or in the gym that you're located in. And um, they'll come find you. And, and quite often, what they want can vary wildly. So you get some guys who want like a top to bottom. I want an S&C intervention. 
um, and you'll, you'll, we'll, we'll test them. Um, we'll, from that testing, we'll figure out sort of what, what areas they're strong in, what areas they're weak in. Another time you might get a professional come in and say, I've got this workout to do. Can you kind of, you know, walk me through it and make sure I'm doing everything okay? And, and you know, uh, we're sort of actually coaching them lifts. Uh, and then other times you've got to get someone come in and they'll, uh, you know, they, they'll want some advice or something very simple, or they've already got an SNC coach back home and, and they kind of want you to, to, to see that they make sure they're doing everything right. So the variability is very, again, very bottoms up. Then what we do is some of the players will develop relationships with and they'll actually come on board with the service as like a, a fully supported athlete or a partially supported athlete. And what we'll do is then work with them uh, regularly, write them programs. They'll have contact timed with um, the different SNC coaches we have spread across uh, the service. And, and we'll, we'll basically look after them throughout the year and program for them ac accordingly. Um, and where we are right now, for instance, is last event of the year season. Uh, season has just finished. Challenge Store finished a little bit earlier. So uh, me and my colleagues have been writing a lot of off-season work. These guys live all over Europe. So, um, you know, we have to, to, to write correspondence work for them, check in with them regularly, make sure everything's going okay, and, and uh, you know, work around those, those constraints and then hopefully catch up with them again in the new year, maybe for some pre-season testing uh, when we kick off in, in Abu Dhabi and Dubai at the start of the year. Awesome. So now when you're moving all around and you're, you're going with these guys on tour, how then do you, because it's, it's a challenge when you've got multiple people going in multiple directions, doing multiple things that are not necessarily all programmed in conjunction. So how do yes. you get this to flow? How do you get this to move? in a way so that you can still be basically like coaching and not just, you know, herding cats. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, the, the service, we, we keep the scope sort of limited. So we have, um, you know, right now we're, we're, we're busy and it's actually kind of a good thing, but our, our capacity is kind of limited because there are only uh, four SNC coaches who work as part of the service. And we're serving, you know, 150 odd players um, plus, and then players on the challenge tour. And because it's on a first come first serve basis, that obviously filters out some of the people that can come and see us. So because there's so many moving parts, we basically have developed a system, um, you know, Dan and Simon too, the other guys have, have, have developed a system where we basically traffic like the athletes. So the guys who want really deep interventions, um, you know, they're, they're, uh, the, the system is that they're, they're green, and their traffic light in a certain way so that they're the ones who want full-on interventions. Everything's kind of looked over, programming. They're coached every time they come in the gym. And then we, you know, put guys on, on Amber uh, who want sort of min moderate interventions and then guys who want minimum interventions. And we try and organize them into, into how complex their intervention needs to be and kind of limit the spaces so we're not completely you know, overwhelmed. Again, the service is new and we're looking to expand moving forward because the service is only two years old. We've not been running it for very long on the European tour. Um, so we're looking to, to, to grow it very gradually. You know, it's good that we're busy, um, but we have to then, you know, account for all these, these moving parts because some of them will have private trainers as well. So we have to kind of maneuver around that. And we also try and work very closely with our physio team who quite often will refer players to us when they flag issues. So that'll then be their first time they'll be coming to see us for, for an SNC intervention. So there's a lot of moving parts. Um, and, and, 
you know, we try and sort of checklist athletes so that the ones who want those full-on interventions, we can see those guys as needed and then sort of, you know, you know, prioritize athletes based on the need. Um, you know, for instance, if you've got a guy who's very, because uh, this is golf we're talking about, a lot of the players aren't very, um, how can I put it, uh, you know, not, don't have high levels of physical literacy, let's put it that way, very good at golf and not very good at training. And the guys obviously need a lot of, lot of, a lot of training need to be taught to train. Some of these guys are people in their 20s and 30s. They'll be top priority because they're the ones who need, act, you know, active coaching. Whereas the guys who are obviously very gym savvy, we can kind of send them programs and kind of just keep a little bit of an eye on them because, again, you know, our facilities are quite limited. On the truck, for instance, we don't have a lot of space. Um, and sometimes, you know, the gyms we have when we're on tour, particularly hotel gyms, stuff like that, again, we're limited for space and time. So we are trying to maneuver around all these all these issues and try and make sure the interventions are, are thorough enough and, and working well for them. So when we're looking at these athletes, you know, and you're, I think physical literacy is a great way to define it. How then are you developing these programs and how then are you looking to develop these, these people? Because I think that one thing, at least from what I see with a lot of coaches in America is they don't really train them. Yeah. So um, they, they tend to in golf. The tradition has been be I like this phrase, uh, you know, the training the golfers have always done in the past has been kind of absurd and underloaded. And a lot of golfers have been ill served, possibly um, a lot of physiotherapy infused sort of methodologies kind of divorced of of that physiotherapy um, uh, intent. So we see a lot of rehabilitative uh, exercises used as like training exercises. Um, and that's sort of in the past, typically, is, is what sort of, you know, colored S&C uh, it, it, in golf. Um, and what we're learning now rapidly is that strength is, a, is a enormously underpinning factor um, in, in golf performance. And, and what I found personally is that um, I can get these guys a lot stronger than they ever thought they'd need to be. Um, and their coaches perhaps thought they'd need to be um, because low body strength in particular it, you know, has a pretty strong correlate with, with club head speed. And we keep finding that we keep making them stronger, you know, not always, but quite often the club head speed will, will keep improving. And, and when we get them in to test them, you know, we, we, big thing we test for is we keep it simple, isometric mid thigh pull, counter movement, jump impulse. And then we look at their club head speed and ball speed. And then from that, we can figure out the relationship between those things. So, you know, if someone's usually club head speed will tack pretty closely with their strength levels. There's a, there's, we've done, uh, there's been a study done on challenge tour players showing exactly that. Um, so if someone's super, super strong, but it isn't really, um, you know, showing up in their club head speed, we know there's a transfer issue perhaps occurring there. On the other hand, if someone's got a, you know, a, a low, a low, um, club head speed and their mid thigh pull isn't very good, we know, well, probably strengths, you know, something that then needs to be, um, addressed. So, you know, that's that's a, a very, very simple assessment. We don't go down the TPI route, really, with the with the type of testing they do, where it's um, looking at the golf movement very specifically, looking for weak links in the golf movement, and then trying to strengthen them. Thus far in golf, what I found is that uh, the generalist approach thus far is reaping the most rewards because it's the lowest hanging fruit. So if we can keep getting them stronger, for now, um, we keep seeing, you know, club head speed, ball speed improvements, which are the two biggest impact areas of impact we can make as strength and conditioning coaches. I love it because, you know, like you were saying before, that 
if you, you can get that speed up, now you're hitting the ball further. And if you're hitting the ball further, you're taking strokes off your game. Yeah, exactly. And I've had conversations with golfers about this and they seem to think golf is, is one of the few sports where the sports movement, because it's, you know, the swing is very, very heavily, been heavily studied top to bottom. Um, you know, you go to some courses and they'll have really impressive 3D, you know, kinematic uh, setups where they can monitor the swing and, and, and check for all sorts of nuances. And, and it's almost as if um, golf, in a sense, has been navel gazing so hard at the swing. They've kind of forgotten all the general preparatory stuff that might help. And what's happening now, we're seeing a lot more emphasis on strength because, again, it's a low hanging fruit. The other outside factor is also body mass. We're seeing a lot of golfers now um, looking to gain a lot of body mass because we, you know, it's a basic physics relationship. For instance, um, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, I think that's his name, the scientist, as he's known, known as a very uh, technical, um, thoughtful golfer, has gained 25 pounds this offseason and has seen, uh, I think, something along the lines of a 12 mile per hour club head speed. I could, don't quote me on that. I could be wrong. That's a massive improvement just from getting bigger. And that's huge to, yeah. to help him move forward with that. Yeah. So again, you're, you're taking distant, you know, you're, you're hitting the ball further, you know, you're taking less shots. It's, it's, it's not a particularly difficult relationship, but I've still had conversations with guys now where the longstanding myths we'd had in martial arts, for instance, about being big, affecting your ability to, to, you know, perform the technical elements properly. The idea that being strong will somehow inhibit your, your, your technical characteristics and, you know, we're pretty rapidly shining light on that and the fact that that's just not true. And it seems that getting bigger and stronger are two things that are, are both helping helping golfers. And again, it's low-hanging fruit. Most other SNC guys would be like, well, of course. You know, we've known that in other sports for years. But in golf, it's been a very slow realization to get to that point. Now, how do you work with communicating that? Because I think that that is probably the hardest thing to do, right, is to get yeah. someone... I mean, you know, golf is it's not a new game. Uh, yeah. So to get someone to kind of have a cultural change like that nature is is a challenge in and of itself. Yeah, it's the the getting the, the culture to shift has been a big thing, but um, the coaches themselves have a lot of long-standing uh, beliefs. Um, Changing that slowly, we are working on on our education as part of what the, the ETPI does is, is educational work, and we're trying to figure out our messaging. Um, and the messaging may have to be different for for, for coaches, um, for golfers, for general public, and also for for people who you know sports punditry and golf as well still looks down on on strength training. For instance, they'll quite often criticise players for for their strength training routines, particularly if someone gets injured. It's always one of the first things that gets blamed. Um, and we're working on that messaging um, to the players because, you know, we, we have within the service, we can message out to players and, and we're looking at different ways. And it may range from from, you know, uh, putting out science, for instance, that, that we are trying to do. But the thing is, the, the players and the coaches quite often aren't going to read that stuff. So it might have, have to be something simple as, as using information on the Internet, memes, whatever we need to do to, to get the message through the players. And. For instance, a lot of the players follow me on Instagram and I'll put something up that will grab interest and, and, and they'll ask questions. I quite often direct them to other useful sources of information, especially a lot of the younger players, particularly the Challenge Store guys. Social media is massive with them. So if that's a way we can message through to them, you know, uh, there are guys putting out great infographics, stuff like that. 
even if it's just bite-sized bits of information and it grabs players' attention enough to, 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 to get them to inquire, you know, that's, that's making a difference. Meet them where they're at, right? Yep, absolutely. So then let's talk about then the training process. So, you know, when, when you're building these programs, you know, not just in tour, but uh, out of season as well, like, let's talk about how you're looking at this. Let's talk about, you know, because you talked about looking at these evaluations and what you're trying to build. Now let's talk about the house of how you're building it. Yeah. So, um, we, we've actually discussed this as, you know, as part of the service, but then there's also what I do in my private practice, and that diverges a little bit. With the, with the stuff we do with the ETPI, um, I always aim to keep it very, very simple. So, so the routines we use, the off-season training we use is always very simplistic. You know, a lot of the guys are, are, are pretty under-trained, so very, very simple lifting routines uh, suffice most of the time. So we're talking, you know, sort of bottom of the barrel S&C stuff, so simple things like getting them do, doing sets of three to five for strength, just making sure they're consistent, all that type of stuff. Um, and that's a big thing is just keeping them consistent, keeping the strength work very, very simple. Um, you know, I like using a lot of Dan John's very, very basic principles, you know, rules of 15, rules of 25 for strength. That stuff's very easily communicable. It's not too, you know, sciencey sounding. It doesn't throw them off. Um, and that stuff seems to work pretty well from, from, and we, we're looking simply at, at you know, at, at um, uh, you know, I like to saturate and separate uh, whatever you, heuristic, if you want to call it that, where we'll focus on intensification of, of strength for a little while and then, then get them moving and, and, and keep looking at um, even linear, you know, type of, of periodization where it's just putting more weight on the bar week on week. Very, very simple. Nothing too complicated. A few guys have tried to integrate a little bit of, of, of the yeses type stuff. Um, but they get they get twitchy. They don't like the idea of doing maybe one exercise. So again, if I can't sell that to them, they aren't going to do it. So you know, we we do keep it very simple. However, if you then go take a look at my Instagram, the story is very different. I'm trying out a lot of novel methods with some of the guys I work with privately one to one. So there's a, a particular handful of guys that we've been doing been trying out triphasic methods, which I'm pretty well known for for, for using. Um, I think you know, for instance, Keir Wenham Flat has had me talk about that um before and and uh i use a lot of the triphasic methodology with them even to the point where some of the stronger guys you know one of my strongest guys for instance uh we use super maximal methods with him and that turns a lot of heads a lot of people well, why are you doing that with with uh you know uh, with a golfer for uh but that guy happens to have the highest club head speed on the euro pro tour you know 136 miles per hour uh, if it keeps getting better you could probably end up doing long drive or something and it just stands to reason that we took someone like that whose club head speed was in the 120s and then took it up to the 130s, um, you know, through through just making him as strong as possible, um, you know, getting away from perhaps barbell convention. So, you know, using hand supported methods, stuff like that, and just getting seeing how much, you know, how much we can improve his force producing characteristics. And, and we're currently running another off season using similar methods. And I think with a little bit of work, we could probably get him to 140 plus club head speed, um, you know, and, and it's it's. Just seeing how how deep that well of general strength goes for golfers, and and I think we're gonna, you know, we're gonna be surprised as to how strong they can get and still see performance improvements. Um, and you know, we're trying out different things uh, and just seeing where it goes. You know, I didn't, and I love that you said that because right now there's like kind of a an ebb and flow back to the question of. How strong is strong enough when it comes to speed? 
Do you think yeah. that we're going to find that plateau when it comes to building club head speed? Yeah, yeah, then, that's that's kind of what I'm looking for. Um, and for some golfers, they'll reach the ceiling uh, sooner. So things like separation matter too. Um, but what often, quite often, we find is that as they get stronger, they don't have to achieve 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 as much separation between their shoulders and hips because they're stronger they can generate more force with less movement um there's quite a few good breakdowns where uh, younger golfers who are using a lot of separation between their shoulders and hips um you know which does increase uh risk of injury to the back which is a massive concern in golf so if you can get them stronger they require less separation um and they're still going to be hitting it for, for 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 high club head speeds and Basically, the rule of thumb we use at this right is this right now. If we're trying to improve their, if their strength is improving but their club head speed isn't changing, we probably hit a bit of a ceiling. And that's the simplest way to to assess those things. Um, uh, there's a there's a fellow uh, who I've interacted with somewhat, uh, Alex Ellert. I might pronounce his name wrong, and he talks a lot about this. So basically, just see linearly see how strong you can get. If club head speed isn't shifting. Um, then you've probably gone to a point where there's, there's diminishing returns. Either there needs to be maybe a technical change. We need to work on separation, mobility. There's something else there perhaps, perhaps that needs to be worked on if you want to keep seeing club head speed improve. But we also know there's a happy average. Um, we have uh, statistics. We have the numbers for the players. So we know that, for instance, you know, 120-plus club head speed is, is you know, uh, pretty much tour average speed. And we know that, the, you know, uh, we know that um, ball speed, for instance, uh, there's some good infographics showing that ball speed kind of tops out that the players with a certain level of ball speed are the ones earning the most money recently. So we know that there's a kind of a, a, a point there where there, there may be a diminishing returns. But again, because there's so little information and it's something right now we're just trying to figure out, we're trying to you know see, and it may be somewhat idiosyncratic. Some guys might might hit it further. For instance, there's a good example um, is that, that um, long drive, which has now become increasingly popular, those guys are super strong, super jacked, really big, really tall, and and they'll have club head speeds uh, that are an insane, you know, 150, 160 plus, you know, but that's all they're good at. So you've got a taking elite, you know, example from a specialist, someone who who is very very good at generating club head speed. But obviously, for them, you know, they they're not playing. They obviously doing long drive because um, you know perhaps not as good at the short game, and that's maybe the the key thing there is that we can take a lot of cues from those guys and take a look at what the long drive guys are doing. But then if you can get someone who can kind of put, put the put the ball where he wants it, which is something the long drive guys don't have to do. They're just trying to hit it as far as they can. Um, and and there is, a, there is a point of diminishing returns, but it's just finding out, you know, where that is. So then when you do see that, what are some alterations that you look to make to the programming? So, yeah, basically what we'll do is, is we stop seeing that. What, the next thing to look at is jumping. We know that jumping, uh, there's, there's, some, there's some great pictures of, of uh, you know, Tiger Woods jumping in the air to look at a lie. It's one of my favorite pictures. And this guy must have an enormous foot, like ridiculous foot. It's a great picture. And, you know, there's someone who probably inherently has a great vertical jump. And what we do then look to do is if we can, well, if we can improve their jumping, um, we also see shift in club head speed too. So it's that, you know, riding that strength curve pretty much, like you're banging on the door of strength. Not seeing any improvements. Well, let's look at the, the the you know the jump impulse characteristics. You know how how quickly are they producing that force? And we know that there's a good correlate between you know the ability to produce power in the jump um, and, and club head speed again. So then you know you can look at then you know working your way along 
looking at carpet speed uh, and then how it relates to jumping. So, we, you know, I've, I've employed quite a lot of extensive jumping in some guys' programs just to see how they get on with that stuff. And quite often, again, we'll sit, start seeing shifting in club head speed. But then, again, um, same point is that obviously we're in season. We start, I'd hate the word maintenance. I don't like it. But we're looking, you know, towards trying to, to keep club head speeds constant. What I'll generally see throughout the course of a season, for instance, uh, in one of one, the few guys that I've tracked very closely, we've seen them, A, lose weight over the season and B, uh, drop in club head speed over the season, just maybe due to... to you know, a number of factors, the travel, the lifestyle, the stress, everything, all those extenuating circumstances that, that, that cause them to bleed club head speed over the season. So it's then looking at trying to, you know, raise that or keep that at a decent level throughout the course of the season. So that's a factor as well uh, we have to, to, to include. I love that, man, you know, because I think that, you know, all too often, people look at the general to specific continuum and they don't fill the bucket completely like you're talking about. Mm. And then they kind of skip or combine that, that jump throw area, if you may, um, with that just general basic strength training as opposed to building, utilizing, and then progressing. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, the the golf coaches, they've got the the, the specific elements of, of, of golf practice very much figured out. Um, I can't add to that. Those guys have it have it down, um, and they know exactly how to tweak tweak their practice in order to to get more out of themselves technically. Uh, then they can flag things like mobility issues, stuff like that, where we can usually find you know if we can give them more 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 space within certain movements, they'll be able to eke more more out. But yeah, it's it's because again the the general preparatory approach to golf has been um you know inadequate in the past let's say um it's low-hanging fruit so we can still eat you know eke a lot of eke a lot out from 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 just general preparatory approaches and and i do definitely think there's yeah we do live in a world where where um you know specific preparatory approaches are, are becoming increasingly trendy and you know, if you've got running athletes, this makes sense. But but these guys are, are again trying to produce a lot of force and power from a from a standing a fixed position. You know, the mechanics, everything involved, it's all a little bit different. Um, so there's definitely a, a wellspring there of, of 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 more general preparatory training that these guys can get before they then look to to add specific stuff. And some of the specific stuff is super interesting as well. We start looking to then progress them to things like uh, you know throwing uh, stuff like that. We can look to include things like speed sticks. Um, you know, which allow them to do overspeed swinging with golf, uh, with with golf club like implements, and and those also potentially have a benefit as well. I love it, man. Now, William, where can people find out more about your programming and what you're doing, and, and you know how they they can learn from you and and how you can help their athletes when it comes to the development of their golfers? Sure, the the, the best place um, is probably. Uh, uh, Instagram right now. I'm probably the most active on there, and I'm always open to to, to DMs as well. Um, so I'll put a lot of stuff out on there. Um, my own website as well, which is uh, www.powering-through.com. I've also written written uh, a lot of articles for Simply Faster as well. Carl Valley that is is uh, you know very keen on my content there, and and I and I put stuff out semi regularly there. So there's a bulk of content there that to be to be read through. Um, and then I've, I've done a few bits for fight camp conditioning and a few other places. 
Fantastic, brother. We'll make sure we got those those ads and the uh, the URLs and the notes. William, always great to catch up, man. Truly appreciate your time. This is sensational stuff. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, man. Really appreciate it. We'll be in touch real soon, brother. Take care, Mike. Yeah, man. And a huge thanks to William Whalen for spending the time with us today. Guys, just some open, honest, candid sharing from a man really paving the way and, and, and building the road in Europe and in the Middle East with these pro golfers to work with them, to help lay the foundation for other coaches to be able to come in and, and continue to work upon the culture shift that he's leading from the front and all the work they're doing to build these guys and evaluate and continue to develop these relationships and educate them as players is only going to help coaches in the future. So William, I can't thank you enough for all your open, honest, candid sharing today and, and all the great work you're doing, paving this road for coaches, you know, so that they'll be able to be involved with this more in the future on top of just the great work that you're doing with these people to help them develop consistently to be more robust and better athletes. Uh, and guys, make sure that you give them a follow on Instagram. That's powering through at P-O-W-E-R-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H. And check them out at www.powering-through.com. That's P-O-W-E-R-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com. Putting out awesome stuff. His stuff on the gram is sensational. So make sure you give him a follow. Make sure you give him a follow if you haven't already. And as always, guys, if you did enjoy the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. As always, we're just trying to get the best information out there to all the great coaches that we can. And as always, guys, thank you for everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.